Welcome to Museum Chat Live, a fairly regular podcast series brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre. We're bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on at our museum. Today, you're listening to me, Sarah Nixon, public programmer here at the St. Catharines Museum. Our community is filled with diverse stories, and we recognize that our story begins with the Indigenous peoples of this land. We acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on lands that have been inhabited by Indigenous peoples for millennia, and we would like to honor the centuries of Indigenous peoples who've walked on Turtle Island before us. Ooh, happy Halloween! To celebrate spooky season and the most frightfully chilling day of the year, we present to you our second ever spooky Halloween episode. You might want to listen with the lights on. On the historic campus of one of Canada's oldest and most prestigious boarding schools, stands a stone chapel. With its white stone turrets and pointed arch windows, the early 20th century structure is reminiscent of a Gothic fortress. Spirits are well known to the chapel. Lights have been said to be seen flickering on and off in the dead of night, a swirling mass of smoke moving through the interior and into a wall. Invisible, creaking footsteps heard following a lone caretaker down the center aisle of the pews. An apparition of an old man standing, waiting in front of the wooden arch doors, only to fade away as a curious onlooker approached. A solitary young boy sitting at a far corner of a pew who, upon second glance, vanishes from sight. Whether or not you believe in these paranormal claims, such haunting stories have likely piqued your interest. Where exactly is this chapel? What might be the stories or past connected to these ghostly sightings? Can I see for myself if these claims are true? The setting of each of these experiences take place at Memorial Chapel at Ridley College. Each of these accounts were shared by former Director of Admissions, Don Dickers, in a 2006 interview with Toronto and Ontario Ghosts and Hauntings Research Society. Ridley College, located here in St. Catharines, is one of Canada's oldest and most prestigious boarding schools. Nestled on Western Hill along the eastern bluff of Twelve Mile Creek, the campus once overlooked the route of the old Welland Canals, and stands opposite of the historic core of the city. Ridley College was established in 1889 as an all-boys school aimed at preparing young minds to enter Wycliffe College in Toronto to pursue an evangelical life. Over time, the campus grew, its curriculum secularized, school culture diversified, and student population became co-ed. With lecture halls and residences dating back to the late 1890s and hundreds of students and staff with storied lives connected to the historic school, reports of paranormal activity are not new to Ridley College. 
dedicated in 1923, Memorial Chapel was built to commemorate the 61 old Ridley students who gave their lives in the First World War. The chapel was designed in the Gothic style, with both the interior and exterior walls in stone construction. In fact, the architects of the chapel, who also designed the Memorial Tower at the University of Toronto, won the 1924 Gold Medal by the American Institute of Architects for their design. Okay, so beyond the ookie spooky, what I especially love about the eerie stories I've shared about the chapel was that they opened a window into the past. Through these stories, I was able to share a very brief history of Ridley College and Memorial Chapel. And the sensations evoked through your imaginings of swirling mist, creaking footsteps, and vanishing apparitions may have cemented the history of the school just a little bit deeper in your mind. That's the power of a ghost story. Today, I want to explore a brief history of our interest in the paranormal and consider how ghost stories, while rooted in myth, can be a valuable tool for interpreting factual history. There is something about a good ghost story. The kind that involuntarily gives you shivers and makes your hair stand on end. There's also something even more about a ghost story told in place. Old buildings, structures like bridges or tunnels, and outdoor spaces like cemeteries have a certain feeling about them. They are tangible remnants of the past and the debris of storied history and the lives of the people who walked among these spaces before us, it lingers, settling on the stone. This is, in part, why paranormal themed activities are such a successful form of tourism. People seek out the thrills and chills of the supernatural in the form of ghost walks or tours of haunted buildings. Ghost stories told in place, in front of an allegedly haunted house, on a historic battlefield, or in a cemetery, they have a tangible, visceral essence. Even if there is no lore of a traditional ghost, people go to these places expecting to feel a certain paranormal energy, something beyond normal experience, and that cannot be explained by science. So, the carefully crafted stories that guides tell on such tours are designed to reinforce the preconceived atmosphere of a place. As the audience actively looks for signs of the paranormal, whether it's a cold chill, electricity in the air, or an impending sense of dread, and they interpret it as such. Of course, our interest in the paranormal and the supernatural has a long history of its own. Victorian society, which largely describes the last half of the 19th century, particularly had a deep fascination with the supernatural. 
the Victorians weaved a complex of paranormal images, beliefs, and metaphors into all aspects of social, cultural, and domestic life. This was an era of rapid technological and industrial advancement that uncannily collapsed time and distance. Think steam power and trains moving at superhuman speed across terrain. Photography capturing a moment in time forever. Near instantaneous communication across oceans through telegraph wires and disembodied voices heard over telephones. Yes, such technologies were developed with the hard evidence of science, but the Victorians looked to the beyond human forces and energies of the paranormal to explain the dramatic and sudden change in their lived experiences. Roger Luckhurst, professor of modern and contemporary literature at the University of London, puts it like this, quote, Every scientific and technological advance encouraged a kind of magical thinking and was accompanied by a shadow discourse of the oculate. For every disenchantment, there was an active re-enchantment of the world. Because the advances in science were so rapid, the natural and the supernatural often became blurred in popular thinking, at least for a time. There is evidence of interest in the paranormal right here in St. Catharines. Fast forward into the early 20th century, spiritualism regained a resurgence after the First World War. And like communities across Canada, St. Catharines paid host to its share of seances, medium readings, and other works of spiritualism. One of the leading spiritualists in the city was a medium named Jenny O'Hara Pincock. In 1930, she published a book entitled The Trails of Truth, documenting a series of seances she took part in in both St. Catharines as well as elsewhere. Here, Pincock records several seances conducted with a widow named Mary DiBiase, whose husband died during the construction of the Welland Ship Canal. Giovanni John DiBiase, an Italian immigrant, was a carpenter on the Welland Ship Canal construction project, and he died tragically due to electrocution while on the job in August 1924. At the time of his death, his wife was on a ship traveling to Italy to visit family. She received the devastating news while in the middle of the ocean. Over the next several years, Mary DiBiase sought solace in her husband's death and eventually turned to spiritualism to explain the unexplainable. At the time, the Welland Ship Canal was the largest engineering project in Canada, and during its construction, crews employed a wide array of new technologies not fully understood and with very little training. Pincock's The Trails of Truth was actually republished in 2013 and can be found online. You can read detailed recounts of the seances and the alleged conversations had between Mary DiBiase and her husband, who reportedly spoke through a medium named William Carruthers. While our society's relationship to science and technology in the 21st century has changed drastically from the Victorian period, 
Some of us continue to look to the supernatural to explain the unexplainable. In regards to local history, local lore and myth surrounding historical people or places in a community often emerge from gaps in the historical record that leaves some part of our history unexplained. Over time, the lore cements itself, being told over and over until it is ingrained in local microculture and becomes perceived reality. People go looking for their own proof of the story, explaining away doubts and inconsistencies to back up the long-told myth. This is why academics and amateur historians alike largely frown on supernatural tourism, citing sensationalism, exaggeration of facts, or even downright lies for the sake of telling a thrill-evoking tale. To be sure, ghost stories do run the risk of muddling or even completely overwriting factual history and the historical sources that do exist. Some of the work of community museums is to dispel local myth and dig into the historical sources to offer a more nuanced, evidence-based story of our community. At the same time, I think that the paranormal can be used as an interpretive tool among museum educators and historical interpreters. We are continually working at finding a balance between meaningful learning and entertainment, being taken seriously, and using not-so-serious storytelling tools to evoke interest and engagement. If used appropriately, a ghost story can be an opportunity to catch the attention of your audience and hold it a little while longer as you share a particular moment in history connected to that story, perhaps a historical figure, a specific event, or a building's history. To explore our interest in the paranormal and the history we might be able to learn from it further, I sat down with my colleague here at the museum, fellow public programmer Lauren Curtis, to talk about her childhood fascination with the paranormal. Hey Lauren, thanks for joining me for Museum Chat Live's spooky Halloween episode. Hey Sarah, thanks for having me. Okay, so tell me when your interest in paranormal activity began and why you were so drawn to the supernatural. I would say my interest in paranormal activity began when I was a little girl. My mom had a love for horror movies and totally passed that on to me when I was younger and I would just sit on the couch and watch them with her. I was definitely obsessed. If it wasn't a slasher movie, it would be a paranormal movie like The Exorcist or The Poltergeist. And then as I got older, it transpired into the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark series by Alvin Schwartz. And then in the early 2000s, OLN came out with the Creepy Canada television series where they visited haunted locations in Canada where there were reports of paranormal activity happening. And I just remember being fascinated by people who recalled on their experiences of seeing ghosts, apparitions, or anything out of the ordinary and totally thinking, I want this to happen to me. Uh, as a child, I really glamorized it for myself, thinking it would be so much fun to have someone like Casper the Friendly Ghost as a friend. I love that. <laughs> so most of your interest has come from pop culture then, things like movies and watching TV. And I love when you bring up the, uh, like the haunted stories on TV that 
were kind of these real life experiences and you really wanted an experience for yourself. Yeah, totally, because I thought it would be so much fun to just see a ghost or an apparition. <laughs> I love that. And I understand that you actually had a chance to hunt for a paranormal activity, maybe find your Casper the ghost. <laughs> um, can you tell me where you went and what were the ghost stories you heard about that place? I absolutely did get to go on a little mini hunt for paranormal activity. I was about 10 or 11 years old and had Googled everything I could about haunted places in St. Catharines. And one of my searches landed me at William Hamilton Merritt's house, which most people know as CKTB or the radio broadcast location for 97.7 Hits FM and 610 CKTB. So to fuel the fire of my paranormal obsession, my dad just so happened to be friends with one of the radio hosts at the house and took me to go see him. So when we got there, he took me, the radio host took me for a mini tour of the house and where certain areas had a lot of strange activity that happened. For instance, there was one set of stairs in the house that led to the basement and he said every now and then if you were walking down them you'd feel a little push as if someone was behind you like nudging you down the stairs except when you turn around there was no one there and he mentioned that him and the staff think a woman may have fallen down the stairs and hurt herself or possibly died from the accident and when I was there the female staff said that they um, it happened more to them when they were heading down the stairs versus the men and then also down in the basement level, he had mentioned when we went down there, he and staff have heard two men who were inebriated holding a conversation. But again, upon further inspection, when they would look around, no one would be down there, but they would just hear them um, having a conversation with each other. And then the last stop on my tour, he took me upstairs where there was one of the rooms which was used at the time for records and files. And staff claimed that an older gentleman who wasn't necessarily the friendliest occupied that room. And at times they'd heard the door slamming, whether they were in the room or not. And sometimes if they were in the room, they'd say that the door was a little difficult to open if it did end up closing. And then when we came back downstairs, uh, he and the two female staff at the desk had said that there was more paranormal activity throughout the house whenever renovations were occurring. I'm not really sure what that means if the reported ghosts occupying the space aren't happy when construction going, is going on or they're just looking to bug new people. <laughs> oh man, so you got to go on this tour and hear kind of firsthand from some of the staff and their experiences. Were you able to experience a ghostly encounter yourself there? Unfortunately, no. I did not get to have a ghostly encounter when I was there. Um, and I remember being mildly discouraged only because I really wanted to witness something take place. I remember bringing my camera with me. <laughs> but of course, the staff there talked about these occurrences taking place when no one expects anything. And I was definitely expecting something to happen. So that may have been why I didn't end up seeing anything go down. <laughs> Okay, so the ghost might have known to kind of hide at that point because there was a kid expecting yeah, to see Yeah, for them. sure. <laughs> oh, I think that's kind of cool that you had the opportunity to go into this old building that had so much history in St. Catharines 
and look for ghosts and to hear those firsthand stories again. I think, you know, it's hearing those stories that kind of bring us all together and get us excited and the thrill and the chill of it all. Uh, when you were there or even through your own interest, did you learn anything about the history of the Merritt House while you were there? Like, what stayed with you after all these years? So I do remember when he took me on the tour, he mentioned how the Merritt House was used during the First World War as a convalescent home for wounded soldiers. And at one point in time, it was also an inn. So maybe that's why they always heard um, the inebriated gentleman in the basement. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then to this day, I'm still actually really intrigued by the stories he told me throughout our little tour when I was younger. So whenever I end up driving by the house, I think about them and I wonder if staff ever report the same occurrences happening to this day or if there have been any new paranormal activity taking place. I, th I totally agree that that's one of the, the coolest parts of ghost stories is that they draw us to a place. They draw us to a piece of history and whether it's a historic person or event or place, it's the stories that can kind of draw us and draw our intrigue. So I think it's really cool that you had that experience when you were a kid and that you still think of it today. So thank you so much, Lauren, for sharing your experience with us. Yeah, Sarah, thanks for having me. The allegedly haunted building Lauren went to tour as a kid is 12 Yates Street better known today as the White House of Rock or the CKTB building and known in earlier decades as the Merritt House or Oak Hill. While it is not the first house to be built on the property, the original home was built in 1824 but destroyed due to arson, the current building was constructed in 1860 by the Honorable William Hamilton Merritt, well-known local politician and businessman and a founder of the Welland Canal. However, Merritt only spent two years in the home before passing away in 1862. The home was subsequently passed down through the family and even served as a convalescent home for wounded First World War soldiers and later an inn before becoming the home of the CKTV radio station in 1938. It is worth noting here that there were once tunnels that connected the house to the lower area along 12 Mile Creek. Since little historical record exists to explain what these tunnels were used for, local folklore has taken its place. One myth claims the tunnels were used to transport freedom seekers on the Underground Railroad. Another alleges rum runners using the tunnels to sneak illegal alcohol from boats on the canal into the building during Prohibition. Neither myth is substantiated with evidence, and the timelines don't quite match up either. More likely is that the tunnels were a way to transport legal goods from the boats into the house since it was quite a distance and the incline is rather steep. The tunnels were filled in in 1967 but were recently rediscovered during the large overhaul project on the Burgoyne Bridge. Beyond the compelling intrigue surrounding the tunnels connecting the old Merritt residence to 12 Mile Creek, there have been several claims of haunted experiences over the years. There have been reported ghost sightings and odd events in the building, which include doors opening and closing on their own, the smell of tobacco on the third floor, unexplained cold spots, 
orbs appearing in photographs, and electronics turning on and off on their own. That the building has served as a radio station since the 1930s means that a few odd occurrences have been also allegedly picked up and broadcast and through the studio's equipment. In another well-documented investigation by the Ghosts and Hauntings Research Societies in 1998, after a new radio host heard the paranormal lore surrounding the building and said she wanted to see a ghost, inexplicable events began to haunt her. She reported seeing a partial figure of a man standing near one of the studio's doors who vanished while she watched, and one Sunday night over the air, eerie sounds were heard. First a man laughing, then the uncanny ringing of a bell, and finally a breathy woman sighing and trying to speak. These sounds were recorded on air, but their sources remain unconfirmed. Another sound often reported is of a child crying. Again, an unsubstantiated claim, but still worth noting in its repeated reporting over the years. While there is no ghost of a crying child in the old Merritt residence, perhaps this is connected to long-ago lore of the children who once lived in the home. Only a deep dive into the Merritt family archival records could produce factual historical information about the children who lived there. The Ghosts and Hauntings Research Societies, as well as other paranormal organizations, have made numerous investigative visits to the old Merritt residence, and they have taken EVP, or Electronic Voice Phenomenon Recordings. EVP are sounds found on electronic recordings that are interpreted as spirit voices that have either been unintentionally recorded or intentionally requested and recorded. This technology is a major tool in the pseudoscience of paranormal investigation. The static, random noises, or other background noise the recordings pick up can often be interpreted as human-sounding voices. The recordings at the radio station during these investigations have picked up some very spooky results, furthering the claims of other haunted sounds heard by the radio station staff. But it is worth noting that paranormal investigators are looking for these sounds and probably hearing what they want to hear. The evidence being collected is not objective. You can hear the EVP recordings yourself on YouTube, and we'll link to them in the show notes. But before you listen, ask yourself, are you already listening for something? What do you want to hear? In saying all this, why do I like the stories of the supernatural connected to the Merritt residence, or even the paranormal investigations that have taken place there? Well, because in sharing these stories with you, I was also able to share a little bit about the history of the actual place. You may have noticed, or maybe not, it wasn't meant to be overt, But in exploring the alleged hauntings of this 1860 building, we also touched on the family who once lived there and the ever-changing role that this place has had in St. Catherine's history. Now, the hope is at least, the next time you pass by the White House of Rock or hear folklore surrounding its hauntings, you'll think of the factual history 
that you heard on this podcast episode. Whether or not you believe in the paranormal, I hope you found this spooky Halloween episode at least a little fun to listen to. Because really, that's the point. Ghost stories are a window into a history that is much more layered. So, the next time you hear a ghost story, I hope it sparks your curiosity about the past that lies underneath. That's it for this episode of Museum Chat Live. If you know a haunted place in St. Catharines or have a St. Catharines ghost story, we would love to hear what you have to say. Please share with us. You can comment on our blog or connect with us on Facebook at St. Catharines Museum or on Twitter at STC Museum. We'd love to research these stories further and to include them in a future Spooky Halloween podcast episode. Thank you so much to Lauren Curtis for coming on the podcast to talk about paranormal activity. And thank you to former museum colleague Alicia Floyd for her past research into the hauntings of the old Merritt residence. Make sure to subscribe to Museum Chat Live and the museum's other podcast, One Hour in the Past, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Museum Chat Live is brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and the City of St. Catharines.